Welcome to another episode of Mental Health Mondays. You're like, it is late, Kelly. You are going on late. Yes, we are going a little bit later today just for a special edition of Mental Health Mondays. And just a reminder, if you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you hit that subscribe button and then put your comments in the chat. And I can actually see your comments. So if you're watching this on Facebook, you just have to give StreamYard permission so that I can see your comments as we go through this. So again, Mental Health Mondays, we talk to guests who are advocates for mental health, those that are professionals in the mental health space, or guests who live with or experience mental health challenges. So welcome to a different time today. It's Monday. It's still Monday. So we're doing Mental Health Mondays. But I want to bring up my friend, Clarissa Constantine. Let me bring her in. Welcome, Clarissa. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for going a little bit late around my cray-cray schedule today. I am honored to be with you. Yeah, no worries at all. Hey, it's Monday, right? So, <laughs> uh, right. So, tell our audience a little bit about yourself and your amazing company, Parent Tween Connection. Sure. So, um, I mean, pertinent to our conversation here, I've dealt with my own mental health issues. Um, I'm also married to somebody who has dealt with his own mental health issues. And, you know, between the two of us, sometimes we jokingly call ourselves a hot mess. And man, when you get two of us together, it's just that much more fun. <laughs> but um, in all sincerity, you know, we've we've navigated our own challenges and we recognize the the individual challenges that we present in our relationship. And it's, it's one thing to navigate your own challenges, but it's another to be with somebody else in relationship, whether it's your partner, whether it's your teenager, your young adult, your child, or a parent that navigates it. And so, you know, I think a lot of people get focused in on the idea that mental health only impacts the person with a diagnosis, when in fact, it's really a ripple effect. And I'm grateful that my partner and I are aware of the fact that with our own unique perspectives, we bring some fun to each other. And frankly, sometimes we trigger each other, you know, so that that's my background, you know, with personal experience. Um, the parent twin connection is a, is a really the, the outcome of a figment of my imagination. Um, it really actually was a result of a conversation with friends who have kids um, at the time they were struggling with some challenges with their um, at the time, 15 year old daughter. And when you think of all the things that you don't want your 15 year old daughter doing, she was, um, she was doing all of them. And I, you know, it's one of those where it's like, she was thinking up things that her parents would look at her and be like, like kudos for the creativity. And nonetheless, like, how did you think that was a good idea? And the mom says to me, I just wish I had other parents to talk to. And it struck me that, you know, professionally I've worked in the higher education, college admissions, grad school admissions world for 24 years. And over that time, I was like, wow, there really is no community for parents of teenagers to just go to each other and be like, dude, like my kid just did something massive that I'm not proud of, but I want to be able to help them. I want a place to go where I'm not going to get judged as being a rotten parent for the fact that my kid just made some unwise decisions. And so that's where Parent Tween Connection came from. We're a community for Parents and really just adults in general who have teens and tweens in their lives or even younger kids, you know, where we can ask questions without fear of maybe as much judgment <laughs> as we might get out in the world. 
Um, but we also have a community of professionals from teen life coaches, parent coaches, academic coaches and such. Um, and we're growing into a number of other arenas to the you know, professionals who support families, because it's one thing to have moral support among moms or among, you know, aunts and uncles and grandparents. But when it really comes down to brass tacks and you need a professional support, we want to have those people for you. Yeah. I mean, it's so important, just <laughs> that connection, right? Like it is true as a parent that you're like, what do I do? <laughs> I know personally. Um, but then also knowing like what I did when I was that age, right? Like I got pregnant when I was 15. I had my daughter when I was 16. And I was that kid that was like, you can't tell me what to do. And everything you tell me to do, I'm going to do the opposite. So thank God for my parents who, you know, they supported me and, and, raised me and I was that kid. So I understand. And then flip side, being a parent now, you're like, oh my gosh, was I, was I that horrible? Right? Like you have these ideas that go through your head and you're like, I don't, I don't know what to say to them. I don't know what to talk to them about. Like, I don't know how to even help. And so I think that's amazing what you do. Plus you have those coaches and other people that can help support not only just this community, but. Well, cool. and that's the key is, you know, so often we get, we're afraid to have some of these harder conversations with our teenagers and, you know, full disclosure, I'm not a parent, so I can't speak to it as a parent, but I was a teenager and I have plenty of friends who have children and I've watched my friends go through these processes. And there's an aspect where, Kind of being on the outside, sometimes I can bring a different perspective to a situation. And, you know, whereas you as the parent, you've got this, this, you know, long, long history of baggage, let's call it, or luggage, as some might say, you know, where it's like you've, you've fallen into these patterns of, of behavior, every relationship does. And sometimes you, each of us become so entrenched in our own patterns of behavior that we can't see the forest for the trees, so to speak. So sometimes having somebody on the outside to go like, well, wait a second, this doesn't seem to be working. You keep saying the same thing to me. How about we look at it a different way? And sometimes it's not just the diametric opposite. You know, like you said, you were the kid that if I told you don't touch the stove, you would have touched the stove. What if there's a, well, hover your hand over the stove without touching it, right? It's not always left or right. It's not always zero to 180 degrees. Sometimes there's, there's in-betweens that we just can't see because we're in these patterns of relationship. Yeah, that was also, I'm like, ding, ding, right? Like, <laughs> as you're talking, because I'm like, I I know, at least for me, my relationships, my closest relationships are the hardest for me to, you know, like, I have all this training, this mental health training, and I, I am very aware of my own emotions, and I can shift and change and, you know, like other people, I can help them or guide them. But relationships that are closest to me, I, I'm like, I, I don't even know what to do. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to talk about it. And so, yeah, I think that's really important to have that outside person mm -hmm. that is able to support you too. So that's what we're there for. <laughs> and I know the, the, cool thing. Like you and I met actually a while ago. Mm -hmm. Um, we had a mutual friend connect us. And then after that, 
we ended up being in the same like networking group, which I thought was really cool. And so Mm -hmm. it's been really great for me to see the progress that you have also grown this community and what you're able to offer. And I know that one of those aspects is tutoring and you Mm -hmm. oftentimes have um, youth specifically coming to you and they're needing help to be tutored, but really it almost shifts into more of coaching because you become that safe space for them and that person that they can, they can talk to. Do you want to chat a little bit about that? Absolutely. You know, you're, you're right. I've, I've been, like I said, I've been in the college admissions and the grad school admissions world for more than two decades at this point. And a lot of times, um, you know, like I start every session with my kiddos, my kiddos, I say kiddos, but some of them are adults, you know, but with my clients, like, Hey, how's it going? What's going on? in your real world, because that very much impacts like, yeah, maybe we're talking about SAT or ACT prep, or maybe we're talking about LSAT prep, which is, you know, the law school admissions test. Um, But I do end up being that safe space in a lot of cases and being a certified life coach as well. I can bring some of those other perspectives in those outside perspectives. So, you know, I had one student just a couple of weeks ago, you know, first, first student of the morning, uh, you know, Hey kiddo, how you doing? What's going on in life? And he's like, I'm not so good today. I was like, what's going on? He says, well, I just lost, listen to me here. I just lost another friend to suicide. And I was like, what, what, what the heck? It was his second in six weeks. So we spent some time talking about, you know, what did the kids and this, this young man is a junior in high school. So he's 16, 17 years old. And it was a second kiddo that he'd lost or second friend that he'd lost since we'd been doing his SAT prep. And he was like, you know, the first one, like we knew that he had some mental health challenges. Like he was in therapy. Like it kind of didn't come as a surprise because we knew that he had stuff as it were. He goes, but this guy, like nobody had a clue. Like this just came out of the blue. We had no idea and blah, blah, blah. You know, we just start kind of chit chatting a little bit about it. And like, of course, my first question is, do you even want to have our session today? Like, are you in the mental space to, to focus on SAT? And he's like, yeah, actually I need it as a distraction mm-hmm. because it's, you know, it's, we're, we're 36 hours out. Not even that. I think we were like 24 hours out from him finding out about it. And he's like, all I've done is cry for the last 24 hours. Cause I'm in such shock and heartbreak. I need something to like, get my mind off of it. So for him, we carried on and we did the session, but not every kid is in that situation. I've absolutely had situations where the kids are like, you know, what do we do? Like, how do I recognize this? Like, you know, our, the, this generation it's, we're seeing it more and more and we could blame it on social media. We could blame it on the news. We could blame it on whatever, you know, and then we have these terms of, you know, copycat suicides. And it's like, I hate that term because I just don't think it's a fair statement. I think if we have a kid in crisis, it doesn't matter or a human in crisis. I don't think it matters why they're in crisis. And maybe, maybe they did see somebody else who succeeded in their attempt. And they go, okay, you know what? Maybe I'm next. I don't necessarily think that seeing that is what triggers it or what causes it. I think it's maybe the straw that broke the camel's back, as it were, you know, of like, okay, I can do it too. But, you know, we also have conversations. I'm working with a a woman right now who's prepping for law school. She just graduated college. She's in her first, like, real job. Mm -hmm. And she has a horrid boss. 
you know, so we, we're starting to talk about how does she navigate the situation? You know, she hired on thinking she was going to have a start time of 830 in the morning. And now the boss wants her there at 630 in the morning. And she's like, that doesn't work for me. So we had conversations for her about or with her, she and I, about how to self-advocate, you know, how to have that conversation with her manager that says, look, I thought the start time was 830. 630 doesn't give me time to take care of myself in the morning and show up as the best member of your team. Can we come to a compromise? And so she was able to take the insight from that conversation that she and I had and actually go have a productive conversation with her boss. And so the next time we met, I was like, how'd it go with your boss? She goes, we came to a compromise. So it's super cool that, you know, that's not relevant to LSAT, but her ability to focus and have the headspace to have a productive tutoring session, it totally is pertinent. So yeah, I am that space. You know, I've got as much life experience as she's been alive. I should say professional experience <laughs> as she's been alive. So being able to bring that into the conversation, whether we're talking about the, the catastrophe, the disaster, the heartbreak of suicide, or something that doesn't seem as as consequential, but still important, you know, being able to have those conversations and bring in more than quote unquote, just the test prep, I think is helpful for a lot of kids. Yeah. I mean, and what I hear you saying is that it's really building in these resources and these skills for the youth that you support and really helping them understand like, this isn't just test prep, right? Like this is more, we can have more conversations and I can help you navigate other areas of your life because potentially maybe their parents aren't showing them that or their parents may not know how to, right? And so Absolutely. having somebody that's outside to be able to assist um, is always important. And I think that's amazing that you give them. I, I talk about it all the time is that it could literally be one, one adult that yeah. saves a youth life, right? Like Absolutely. one, one person that sits there and listens and that actually asks the hard questions that maybe we don't want to ask as parents because we don't want to hear the answers. Right. Mm -hmm. But having that space is really important too. So. Well, and you know, you've, you've used the term you use that, you know, create that space or create that safe place. And that's something that I see a lot of families I actually just had this conversation with a mom the other day, and she's actually a grandmother at this point, like her kids are all adults now. And, and I've heard this from innumerable parents, including my own. Well, my kids know that they can talk to me about anything. <laughs> no. Um, I'm going to say this and it may not be calm. It may, it may not be popular and we may not want to hear it. You can say that all you want, but your actions speak a thousand, a hundred thousand, a million, hundred, bajillion, bajillion, bajillion times louder than your words. Mm -hmm. And the fact of the matter is, if you are in your everyday conversation using slurs against people of a different race, or you're talking about um, you know, talking critically about people in the LGBTQIA plus community, or you're being judgy in any fashion and putting other people down, which by the way is human nature. It's a survival technique. Okay. If they're less then I'm more, and that means I'm more likely to carry on the species, but here's the deal. If those things are coming out of our mouths, our kids are hearing them and they are lessening 
our integrity with our kids and it is lessening the likelihood that our kids are going to come and talk to us. Yeah. As an example, if I had ended up in a situation that you were in as a teen, you know, being pregnant as a teenager, honest to goodness, I would have at that time sooner gone and had an abortion than tell my mother Mm -hmm. because I knew very clearly what my mother's opinion was and what my mother's statement was going to be and all the judgment and all the negativity that I was going to be on the receiving end of. And we've got to keep in mind that our kids' brains don't fully form until they're 25, 26, 27 years old. So as much as you may be horrified to think about the fact that your kid would sooner choose abortion than talk to you, there absolutely are kids who are in that situation. I know because I was one of them. And so being that safe place, we've got to step back and think about like, what are we projecting? And this is where the balance of like, yes, I want to teach my child right from wrong, quote unquote, right from wrong, right? Don't have sex before you're married. Well, the fact is kids are going to have sex before they're married. Most, most kids that I know are having sex. So we can either teach them don't do it as an absolute. And then when they do and end up in a situation of pregnancy or an STI, they don't want to come talk to us. Or we can have a more moderate conversation about like, hey, my preference would be that you wait, or at least wait until your brain is fully formed. But if you choose to participate, here's how to do it safely. That kind of in-between conversation is going to increase the likelihood that they come and talk to us about these things. It can definitely, I mean, it can be challenging, but I love that you just said, like, watch the words that we're using as parents because they really do really do truly learn by example. And it really comes down to how open are you? And I know even with me, like I, I tend to, well, I know my triggers, right? I know like when I'm not open versus when I'm like super closed off And so I know that that affects the relationships that I have with some people, but I think it's also important to have the conversations, right? I mean, I just, I, a couple of weeks ago, I was talking with another guest about, I never thought that in a million years, I would be having a gun safety conversation with my four-year-old. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that was a couple of years ago. And then we have conversations about suicide and death and these things that I never dreamt I would be speaking to a seven-year-old about, right? Mm-hmm. And the the thing that we have to keep in mind is that our youth are very smart. <laughs> they get it. Although their brains are not fully developed, they still need to have those conversations. Absolutely. And I know that for me and what I've heard over time is that they don't want to disappoint their parents. And that's really what it comes down to is like, I don't want to tell them what's going on because I think that they're going to be disappointed in me. And I same with my mom, I was scared to tell her when I was pregnant, I actually had my sisters tell her and I had a migraine because I was so petrified of what she was going to say. And honestly, which was interesting, she came up to me and she said, well, I figured you either had AIDS or you were pregnant and I'm glad you're pregnant. And I was like, what? <laughs> so the, the flip side goes to any teenagers that are watching this. Um, don't assume that you're going to always get in trouble either. Um, right. It's, it's okay to have those conversations with your parents because 
they may be more understanding because we were <laughs> kids at one point in time too. And we probably did potentially more than you did. So. <laughs> yep. Indeed. Indeed. <laughs> well, and I think, you know, so if we talk suicide, for example, like I know there's a lingering belief that if we talk to our kids about suicide, it's going to plant the idea in their heads. Or if we talk about our you know, talk about sex with our kids, <clears throat> pardon me, or we talk about drugs. Here's the deal. Your kids are having these conversations. And if you think they're not, I'm going to respectfully say you're playing a really good ostrich. <laughs> okay. Oh. Your kids are having these conversations. I guarantee it. So really the question then becomes, and when I say your kids, I don't just mean that like targeted toward parents, because like I said, I'm not one, but I am involved in the lives of several of my friends' kids. And so when I say like you, I mean like, like the adults among us, the kids in our worlds are having these conversations. And it's our decision ultimately as to whether we want to be participants in these conversations or not. The, the conversations are going to happen with us or without us. So it's, it becomes a question then of whether we choose to influence the conversations and, and, and share our perspectives to the extent that the kids in our worlds listen to us, <laughs> you know, so please don't live in the, in the, you know, with the head in the sand ostrich <laughs> persona, because the kids are having the conversations. I guarantee it. And if they're not coming and having them with you, it's because like you were saying, Kelly, they're either thinking that you're going to, you're going to be disappointed or that we're going to judge them or uh, that they're going to get in trouble. And I think that's one of the reasons that a lot of kids come and talk to me about things. Like I've had my kids tell me I just had sex for the first time last night. I just tried pot last night or, oh my God, I got so lucky over the weekend. Like I got so drunk at my friend's house and I felt like crap the next day. So that's why I didn't get my homework done things like this. And it's like, you know, then I'm, I'm technically a, a mandated reporter. So it becomes a question of, you know, do I still need, like, do I need to talk to parents about this? You know, if it's a case where it's like, all right, you're not in imminent danger anymore, then maybe I won't, but sometimes I've had to, but it's because the kids know that I'm not going to judge them. I'm not going to like, what am I going to do? Discipline them? Like, <laughs> you know, but we've got to be having these conversations. Another, um, other idea that I think is, is good for families to have is a safe word, like a text so that, you know, when kids are at parties, like let's talk to our kids about like, Hey, what are you going to do when you're at a party and there's drugs and there's drinking, you know, you can choose to participate and there are, there are consequences for those decisions. And if you choose not to participate, how, what's a safe way for you to communicate with us so that we can come get you again, whether it's mom, dad, grandma, grandpa, aunt, uncle, whatever, you know, and maybe it could be like, you know, Polish sausage or pink elephant or black pen or whatever the like safe word is that they can text parents. But the important piece is that we need to give them the space that they can ask for that help without fear of punishment, at least not initially. Like I will come pick you up. No questions asked until the situation is over. And then we'll decide if there is anything that needs, you know, any, any consequences. But I think having that way that they can initiate that out, if you will, is really important for their safety. Mm, I love that because I, I, 
I also, we have a safety self-care plan that we have with our breaking the cycle of trauma curriculum that we just rolled out. And one of them is who are the people that I can, that have my back no matter what. And you write down three people. And I always say, as I'm training, this is make sure you have a conversation with that person and they know that you are like, they are your person and make sure it's okay. But then also maybe you have a safe word that you tell them so that they know the difference between if you're just calling to have a regular conversation or if it's in a crisis situation that you need help. So I love that you said that because I never thought of that personally. And I think that's a great idea. It also gets them out of the situation that maybe they don't feel comfortable with and they know that somebody is going to be there to be able to support them. Um, Absolutely. Another thing that came to my mind too is that the non-judgmental thing, it can be the hardest to do, right? It's really a learned skill of listening non-judgmentally and making sure that we're not giving advice and we're just simply listening, especially with youth, because there's so many layers. It's kind of like an onion when you talk to them. And initially you probably are going to get up, you're going to get an untrue statement. And then if you can get past that first layer, you're probably going to get into like what's really going on. So um, I love that you said also listening non-judgmentally. So, well, and I think there's two pieces to that. Number one, the non-judgment, especially from parent to kid, because you're right. They don't want to disappoint the adults in their lives. They don't want to feel judged who does by the way. (laughs) Okay. You know, and so Um, I think there's two pieces to that. You said the non-judgment, but also the listening. So often we listen to respond. We don't listen to understand. And so there's a couple of pieces to this. Number one, if we keep in mind that humans' brains don't fully develop, like we said, until 25, 26 years old, we can look at a 16 or 17 or 18-year-old young adult and we see physically a body that looks awfully close to full maturation. But what we forget is that the brain actually lags behind that. And the last part of the brain to develop is actually the frontal cortex. It's the part that's right behind the the forehead. And it's the part that is responsible for executive functioning and understanding right from wrong and making responsible decisions. So when we realize that our kids just physiologically, their brains are not capable of having like the conversation that you and I are having, Kelly, right? We need to be non-judgmental, but we also need to give their brains the time to process. Mm -hmm. So one of the things that I recommend to families is smile and nod. So when you ask a younger person a question, give them 30 seconds to respond. And I promise you 30 seconds can sound like any, or can feel like an eternity, but ask the question and then turn around and like wipe a dish off or go make a note in your phone or do something to distract yourself so that you're not necessarily like eyeball to eyeball with the, with your young adult and count to 30. And if they start talking, wait until they finish and then count to 30 again. Mm-hmm. And then if they start talking, wait until they're done and then count to 30 again. And if you actually get, or I should say when you get to 30, because you will ask them, is there anything else before I ask 
for the opportunity to reframe what I hear. Mm. And maybe that gives them the opportunity to say a little bit more. But then when you actually get to that point of reframing, before you respond, take a moment and go, hey, here's what I believe I understood out of what you just said. Can I reflect this to you? And then you can either confirm or help me adjust. And then reflect to them what you heard. I think I just heard you say, blah, 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 blah. And if they concur, yeah, that's exactly what I meant. Great. We're on the same page. But maybe they didn't say it exactly the way they meant to say it, or they didn't actually communicate what they wanted to communicate. That gives them the opportunity to adjust what they're sharing before we even respond. Most of us don't do that. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah, then, I know. That can 30 seconds can feel like forever. <laughs> really? Oh, it totally does. Totally does. And then, you know, like you said, when it when they when it comes back to then going, okay, what do you need to hear from me? Do you want to fix? Or are you just venting? Because sometimes when we, we, we don't want our kids to hurt, we don't want our kids to, to suffer. I mean, why would we, <laughs> you know, we don't, I mean, most of us don't want to see other humans suffer period, but sometimes they don't actually need a solution. I know mom, I got it. How many times have we heard that? Every day. <laughs> right? Because sometimes they just need to vent. They just need to get it out. Some of us are verbal processors and we just need to talk it out loud to somebody and we can come to our own decisions. So asking that would be the next thing that I'd offer. So non-judgment, nod and smile, and then ask, do you need a solution or are you just, do you just need an ear? Mm. See where that gets you. I love that. I know at least in our family, we have the shutter downers, I guess, as you would call them, but uh, questions are asked and then it's like link, like nothing even is processing. And so I think though, yeah, it's like knock, knock, anybody home? Hello. Um, but I've never tried that like 30 second thing, right? Because generally the questions that I ask are more open-ended to try to get the conversation rolling. And I've expressed multiple times that I want you to have a voice and that you have a voice, right? Um, and it's important because we're not mind readers. So we need to understand what you're thinking versus just shutting down. And okay. so I haven't ever thought of that 30 second pause to see if anything comes out. And then from there, potentially just reframing the question or do you just let it go? I don't know. I mean, it's, I think it's situation specific, you know, or, and I think it could be a question of like, Hey, are you thinking, hmm. are you still processing or what do you think? Do you, know, do you have any thoughts? You know, like I know my partner and I, the way that we process things is very different. And this actually came out recently. And I mean, he's a fully grown adult. And, you know, he said, well, you know, we'd get started on a couple of things, but then you'd walk away frustrated. And I was like, no, I wasn't frustrated, but I know that you need to process things. You're not the make a decision and move necessarily. You're the, like, you think farther out, you plan a little farther out. I'm the, let's jump and see what flies, you know, here's hoping my wings find themselves, you know? So I was like, I wasn't frustrated. I just walked away because I knew you were still processing. Mm. 
So it's just interesting that like, I know that's how he processes, but he perceived my reaction differently. So now I know next time I ask a question and he's like, well, I don't really know. I'll be like, okay, well, why don't you think about that? And like, let's reconvene at X o'clock. Mm. And, you know, we can, we can revisit the conversation that really works with teenagers as well. Like if it's a, Hey, I know report cards are coming out and I, you know, we're going to talk at seven o'clock on Friday night about it. You know, here are the questions that I'm going to ask you. It gives them a chance to prepare because again, their brains don't always function as quickly as ours do. And often they can feel put on the hot seat. So being like, Hey, we're going to come back and we're going to talk about this at whatever o'clock can empower them and it can give them a chance to be prepared for the conversation. Mm -hmm. I like that too. That's definitely. So I know um, I love everything that parent tween connection is doing. And so I just wanted to shift briefly because uh, BCC evolution and parent tween connection are partnering up for our next uh, youth mental health first aid training. Um, And it's, adults assisting youth. So it's not actually for youth, but it is for 18 and over who want to learn and understand how to recognize, identify, um, and assist youth in need, just like the conversation that you and I were having about suicide and um, losing friends and all of those things wrapped together. So um, I'll let you, if you want to talk a little bit about that too. Absolutely. So, you know, clearly at Parent Tween Connection, we're about offering support to families and it's, you know, some of it's moral support and some of it is actually knowing who those professionals are to help. But sometimes, you know, when something comes up in the middle of the night, we can't necessarily call anybody. The professionals aren't, I mean, there's the ER for sure, you know, but we don't necessarily have the therapist or the coach or the psychiatrist. So, um, I think for any of us who have youth in our worlds, whether we work with them or whether we're in a family with them, or frankly, whether we're human, because we all have young adults, like we could be at McDonald's and see a young adult in front of us, or, you know, at Chipotle or at the gas station and potentially see a young adult in crisis. And so when um, you actually saw my Facebook post about that kiddo who had lost his second friend in six weeks and you reached out and you were like, Hey, you know, is this something you'd be interested in co-hosting? I said, hundred thousand percent. Yes. Um, because you never know when we're going to need it. And so I think it's, you know, we know how to do CPR, many of us, or we know how to do the Heimlich maneuver, but those are, and those are physical. Those are obvious to see, but if we don't necessarily know what the, the physical presentations are of a young adult in crisis, we don't know how to step in and assist. So that's why I, I jumped all over the opportunity and I actually, at some point, would like to become an instructor myself. But for now, you are the person I know. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so we're we're hosting it. It's going to be uh, virtual, so anybody watching from anywhere can participate. It's on July 9th. Starts at eleven o'clock Eastern time, nine o'clock Mountain time. It is a four and a half hour virtual program. And Kelly, you tell me that there's a little bit of pre-work we need to do. What's involved in that? <laughs> yes. So you have to go on, you'll get an email after you sign up and register and pay for the class. You'll get an email from the Mental Health First Aid Connect website. Um, and you have to go on and do, it's two hours pre-course work before we actually do the in-person virtual session. So how far in advance does that need to be completed? Like the class is on Saturday. If I do it Friday night, am I good? (laughs) (laughs) 
technically yes okay. i always i always tell people at least try to plan three days prior just so that if you're like going through it's so it, it sounds really long and whatever but it's actually fairly easy it's like you watch a bunch of videos take some quizzes and if you're already experienced potentially in the mental health space you probably know a good chunk of the answers mm -hmm. um so yeah i always tell people just to plan at least three days just in case something happens then you have those two extra days but yes technically if you went on the night before i do check it the day before uh to make sure that everybody has their pre-course work done um, and then as long as you're up to the instructor led portion, you can come into the zoom. Okay. So, yes, I was going to say, cause this is me we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Uh, no, I, I totally understand. Cause a lot of people do have, um, schedules that are all over the place. And so if it's one of those things you're like, I promise I'll get it done. That's awesome. So I'm going to, this is the link. So it's bccevolution.org event calendar, um, or just go to bccevolution.org and then click on our events. Um, you'll find the training in there. And again, it is the youth version of Mental Health First Aid on July 9th. Um, it's from 8 a.m. to 1.30 p.m. Um, I just asked every ask everybody to make sure that you're there on time. If we start on time, we get done on time. Um, it just makes it a lot easier. Get your pre-course work done. And because you're watching this and because Parent Tween Connection and I are collaborating on this, um, if you use the promo code GROUP10, normally our class is $147 per participant. But you are getting it since we're doing this collaboration um, for $75. And so a significant discount just because you get to watch this. And um, it is so important, I know, for your community, um, whether you're a parent, whether you're a teacher, whether you're in the mental health space already. Um, I've had multiple people come through the class that are like, I didn't even learn this in college or whatever they're doing. So, mm -hmm. and if you have 18 or older, they can join too. So it's just a great class <laughs> for everybody across the board. Well, and you know, one of the things that I really encourage folks to do is to, again, have these conversations with kids. The conversations are happening. It's up to us to decide to be a part of the conversation with the young adults in our communities. And so one of the things that I'm most looking forward to is I mean, certainly, yes, if I if I know more about how to recognize the signs of crisis and know what to do in those circumstances, then in that critical situation, I have a better sense of what to do. But even before that, by having more of this knowledge, I can engage in more of these conversations with young adults and that gives me an easier in because sometimes it's like, well, how do I even start the conversation if I haven't had it yet? Having more of this knowledge about like, oh, here, I know to pay attention to this sign or I can say to the young adult in my life, have you ever seen somebody who looked like this? Because, oh, I just learned that could be a sign of blah, blah, blah. It gives me more speaking points to have those preliminary conversations with the young adults before it even gets to that critical circumstance. Yeah, I love, I mean, I actually really love the youth version more so than the adult version, just <laughs> because um, I, I think it's really good. I The whole 
dynamic of, you know, how, how mental health challenges present themselves. And I mean, we learn from ages 10 up to 25. So it does go into that young adult um, age range, but knowing that these things can start at such an early age, the more, the sooner we can catch things, the better outcome we have. And so I think that's the overall arching point. And like you said, instead of it getting to crisis, how do we identify it in the Mm -hmm. pre-crisis space? So um, tell people, because I have it first time ever, I put your right down here. Um, Tell people how they can reach out to you um, and Parent Tween Connection. You know, the website is honestly the easiest place. All of our connections, you know, our, our Instagram, our um, Facebook, our everything is right there. It's parentwingconnection.com. And whether you put one T or two T's in the middle, it doesn't matter. It will go to the right website. <laughs> um, we do have a Facebook group where families can join us or where the, the adults can join us. And we, you know, are on our website, um, right there on Parent Twin Connection. Like I said, it links over to our Instagram as well. And on our website is where you can also find the, um, the professionals that we have already background checked, reference checked, vetted, so that you know that they come with experience. They're not necessarily, you know, certainly they pass the federal level background check, but also, um, you know, they've got experience because they, they've been reference checked and, and we've interviewed them. And we know that they're folks that can absolutely support families. So we've got, like I said, teen coaches, parent coaches, academic test prep coaches, college admission, career. Uh, and, and again, we're growing. So that's, that's really the best place to find us is our website. Awesome. Yeah. I was like, I should just write it down here, but it's also in the comments. So if you don't remember any of that and you don't re- rewind on here, you can also look in the comments um, and all of Clarissa's information is there. Um, this is not going to be the only time that we collaborate. We've talked about lots of things over the past couple of years um, and looking into the future. So I really, really appreciate you coming on today. And those were some great tips about how to talk with your youth. So thank you. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Kelly. I appreciate the chance. Yay. All right, y'all, that was another amazing episode of Mental Health Mondays, where we talk to guests who are in the professional space of mental health, uh, guests who are mental health advocates, or those who live with or experience mental health challenges. Again, reminder, make sure you subscribe, make sure you share, make sure you like. Um, And just as a reminder, we cannot do this without your help. So BCC Evolution is a 501c3 mental health and suicide awareness nonprofit. And all the education that we bring to you, um, we get supported by all of our donors and our people. And If you become a warrior for mental health, you get this super cool shirt. I put it back on today. It's been a couple weeks since I've worn it. So um, you get this super cool shirt um, with a monthly donation of only $20 or more per month. Again, that goes towards all of our education and it allows us to sponsor classes like the one that we're doing with Parent Tween Connection. Um, So that we can give discounts to specific communities that may be lower income or just need the education even more. So 
Go sign up today as a warrior for mental health on bccevolution.org. If you need more resources, you need more information, that is a great space to also go. I appreciate you being here. We'll be back next Monday at 11 a.m. Mountain Standard Time, which is our normal time when we do Mental Health Mondays. Thanks for joining us, though, for this off time. And it's, I don't know, maybe we'll start doing afternoons. We'll see. But I will see you all next week. Bye.